Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. Yeah. Uh, this week, we so, <clears throat> you know, for a bit of context, if you're new here, uh, we, you know, do typically try to do something on tour around Thanksgiving, uh, you know, kind of like a, you know, something that's a little off the beaten path, not really necessarily a franchise thing. Um, the you know that what we've done in the past is like we've done hereditary i think we did it as a halloween thing but then we followed that up with um midsummer there we go uh and we've done uh bone tomahawk so like stuff that's you know kind of green like, room yeah very intense um not going to do something quite that intense this year but uh we did decide you know like hey, uh, we should do Blade Runner 2049. Unfortunately, that does mean we have to do a Ridley Scott movie first, but <laughs> <laughs> we we did feel like uh, that would be a good a good way to celebrate our uh, favorite uh, holiday special. So. <laughs> well, thank you for teeing it up like that. <laughs> I was going to lead with, so which of us is the replicant? But that's, that's not nearly as fun. <laughs> Much like in this movie, I don't care. Britain. I don't know which one of us was the replicant. I don't know why Alex asked that. <laughs> I also don't know what a turtle is. Or why they didn't count the mustache replicant as being alive. Because they frequently like, there's one of us left. There's two. There's one of us left. I guess he was just like the loser that none of them wanted to be yeah. friends with. But hey, this is not a movie where you need to understand what's going on. No. And that's one of the good things about it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean... In fairness, the director doesn't know what's going That's, on. So. Whoa. One of my favorite things from the... Uh, there's a very long, um, in-depth making of for Blade Runner that I have. Because I, I somehow got a hold of a like really fancy box set that has like five different cuts of the movie. And it's got tons of special features. Um, and apparently at the end of the assembly cut, when they put all the fo- footage together, <laughs> Ridley Scott just kind of sat back and said... It's great. What the hell does it mean? <laughs> or something along those lines. I'm like, that, okay. That that sums it up, I think. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, we're doing Blade Runner. Um, we all watched the uh, the final cut. Like I said, there's many different cuts of the film, but I think the ones that are most readily available are the theatrical cut, which has the Harrison Ford narration. Uh, famously or infamously depending on what circles you're in um and the final cut which is the tried and true approved ridley scott version that was released in 2007 um funnily enough both of them have uh ratings on rotten tomatoes so i'll just go ahead and list them both they're they're very similar um so the original blade runner from 1982 directed by ridley scott it has an 89 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes and a 91 percent audience score and then the final cut which like i said i believe was released in 2007 it has a 94 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes and a 90 percent audience score but it's got far less reviews but- yeah and that's also a thing of like uh, i think any cut especially one removing the narration that is like i assume the final cut caught some sort of limited release in theaters or like i assume there was a bit of probably news I'm around that sure. i would i would guess because that, that sounds to me like people reviewing it in the 2000s 
knowing that it is a classic and then being like, or at least a cool classic being like, Oh, you know, we can kind of use a review of this to also inform the fact that we want to talk about how much we really like this, like cultural touchstone. So yeah, that, that does sound to me like what happened, but it's okay. (laughs) 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 It's pretty good, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. No, um, I, I, you, Alex, had shown me this. Oh, well, oh wait, we saw this synopsis, don't we? Oh, yeah. Well, every time. that synopsis reads thus. <laughs> In the smog-choked dystopian Los Angeles of 2019, accurate, Blade Runner Rick Deckard, Deckard is called out of retirement to terminate a quartet of replicants who have escaped to Earth, seeking their creator for a way to extend their short lifespans. Ooh. Um... Yeah, also... That's what parts of the movie are about. This book, uh, this movie is, of course, based on the Philip K. Dick book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? My assumption is that Ridley Scott was like, Electric Sheep? That's what a unicorn is, basically. And so that's kind of his way of addressing that whole thing. Because if Decker dreams of a what he assumes is an electric sheep, which is a unicorn... Yeah, they get the electricity and the horn, and then makes the wool puff out. It's a lightning rod. Anyway, he's... He's British. But how, they, <laughs> how they fire off their lasers. <laughs> you know, to kill Spyro or whatever. <laughs> hey, write that down. I like that I named Spyro. <laughs> Ridley Scott created Spyro the Dragon. Yeah, it's canon. Anyway. Yeah, that's what the movie's about. Yeah. Uh, I I had seen this, Alex, because I think you had shown it to me before watching Blade Runner 2049, um, which is a movie I'm a little more excited about revisiting. Uh, and I I think, like, you can see why. I, I think it's it would be very, uh, I don't know what the word is, like, stubborn or like me, me just being like, I don't like Ridley Scott movies, so I'm going to pretend like I don't like this. Um, it would be silly of me to not, you know, notice the the reasons that this movie is so iconic, and it's because of the like set design, the atmosphere. The it's a beautiful looking movie. Uh, it it looks great. Um, there is some performances that, even though you know they're very chaotic in like how the writing sets them up and like what what happens within the movie, they are ultimately good performances. Um, so like, I, there's a lot of stuff in here that I do. It, it is a movie that you can just put on and be like, "Oh, that's that's pretty cool." Like when you're just watching it. Um, <clears throat> but I, it is never really connected with me on a like level that keeps me fully engaged in it because I I feel like so much of it is the atmosphere and the. I mean, exactly like you were saying, Alex. Like the confusion about what it means what the goals of the movie are and like what the real themes are like obviously part of it is no one knows who they are really like it's uh, there's a lot of questioning like what what makes a person human and um, are the androids that are being hunted actually more human yeah with the way that they just emote and think than the human characters that yeah. we follow yeah who've all sort of fallen into a a routine a loop of sorts if you will Mm-hmm. Um, it's the kind of thing Ooh, that Wes... I want to watch Looper. That seems like a much better idea than watching this. <laughs> well, it's the, a lot of it. It's the kind of stuff that Westworld, and I've only seen the first two seasons of Westworld, so don't at me. 
um, sure. really delves into about like what what I, this consciousness I would ask means. You, but what but Twitter man, Twitter's oh, that's just true. Yeah, topical getting, joke about how, how Twitter's going through stuff, getting getting uh, messy over there. Um, I'm not derailing. I'm going to keep derailing this until you just <laughs> have to make the worst segue possible back into your point. <laughs> but no, it's, it's Westworld. I think in the first two seasons does a really nice job of going, of just posing that question and not just going, what is consciousness? But actually saying, yeah. what, what really does it mean to be, a, to be a person and to be alive and to have free will and choice? And at what point are you making a choice? And at what point are you just following a rope sense of programming, whatever made that programming? Um, it's, it's, that is something I think, which is an interesting idea. Um, and you know, I don't ask a, a, a less than two, a two hour movie to tackle it with the same detail as a, as you know, 10 plus hours of, of a TV show, but still. And I think what I caught more this time around is the, it's not just like, who's a robot and who's a human. What does that mean? But yeah. very specifically, it is about the replicants having this short lifespan and like, how that drive to survive and like keep it that's a show name the the fact fact that that uh that need for them to you know find a way to somehow get through that kind of deadline on their lifespan um that is what really drives them to be more human than a lot of the humans who are sort of uh zombies in this cyber dystopia of 2019 (laughs) um that is that is one of my one of the things that i also think really sticks out is that you uh you watch this movie and uh in the year 2022 it's like los angeles 2019 opening card and then it just smash cuts to just flames belching into the night from these giant (laughs) skyscrapers it's like that's not we're not quite there (laughs) maybe in a a metaphorical sense but (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty funny. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, maybe we should start with what I think is the weak link of the film. And that's Deckard and Rachel and their oh, relationship. Sure. I think that that's the reason the movie doesn't connect with me on an emotional level. Like every time it cuts back to Rutger Hauer and Daryl Hannah and what's going on with the actual replicants. Um, that's the interesting stuff. That's the fun stuff. That's the, oh, we're really getting into some character work here. Um, but whenever Deckard and Rachel are talking to each other, they have no chemistry. And it's, it's hard to get over that despite like all these lavish sets and everything. Like it's, it's a very pretty painting, but I don't feel anything from it. I also don't think they give it enough time. Like I feel like especially towards the end of the movie, those characters both disappear for quite a while yeah. and then Harrison Ford kind of pops back up like well and it is like there's definitely some I, I feel like the beginning of the movie when they first are interacting it's a nice little bit of foundation building for a relationship but then they seem to skip the second act of that build mm-hmm. and then they're suddenly at the at the like you're important to me kind of thing as opposed to really finding that middle ground not middle ground the second step yeah well, it also doesn't help that them getting romantically involved. It basically has, we have the scene where he forces himself upon her and is like, tell me you want this. <laughs> it's a weird scene. 
it's it's a it's a weird scene and i i know it's it's the 80s it's uh, obviously things have moved on since then but i particularly to hinge like a romance on the way that this tries so hard and that that vangelis score man is is Mm. trying to pull the weight as hard as it can but it just there kind of falls apart yeah um and it doesn't help that apparently um harrison ford and sean young i don't think got along very well um and sometimes when that happens on a movie you you can't tell you don't notice but um i feel like just with harrison ford's general frustration at this whole this whole thing because i think for the most part he didn't really understand what was going on for most of the production of this and of course ridley scott's crazy and he's just got like a thousand ideas and he's got all these these sets and all these people moving around all the time he's got these massive just massive shots of just people swarming um and then he's got like the producers breathing down his neck and apparently the investors like they were like some of the end sequences like they were cutting it very close um apparently this was just like a complete disaster to try and make um and then and we can get into the the narration the differences between the cuts but i i feel like i i can't quite tell if harrison ford's just miscast or not I don't know if necessarily a another person in that role would have made it better. Yeah, no, I think I. I mean, I ultimately think I like him in the role, uh, especially without the narration. I think yeah. <laughs> that helps. Um, <clears throat> but you like you. I think it's really interesting because we have sort of totally gotten away from this sort of detective noir vibe in. Yeah. Like I, I really haven't watched any of like the more classic like black and white noir movies. Like I, I am not like read up on them at all. Um, so like this is taking a a, a genre that already existed. It was you know, maybe kind of on the way out and putting it into this this sci fi world. And so like I think that makes a lot of sense to cast him as someone who's like they can be charismatic while also being sort of just someone who is having this world thrown at them and you know kind of being like all right figured out i gotta go to go to this new place and then going there get beat up and like it's it's just i think him as the uh the core in terms of the guy who's again like the evoking the comparison of like who is more robotic him or the guys that and and uh other replicants that he's trying to kill like it's I don't know. I, I think that works fine for me, but I feel like there's not really a lot done to turn him into something, someone more interesting by the end of the movie. Um, this cut implies that he is a replicant because he dreams of the electric sheep with a big horn and then uh, the origami man with a hat leaves him an origami unicorn and is like i made that memory you're you're dreaming of the unicorn because i did it um is the is the implication obviously um which i don't know I, it like that's a very like we we're putting a twist on the end of this in order to kind of fabricate interest in this character uh instead of really doing something throughout the movie to make it be like this person is 
I don't know. I struggle with it because I feel like there's almost an arc there of him <clears throat> learning to live more and learning to, you know, not just be the robot he's been, but actually go out and experience the world. Um, like Queen Latifah in Last Holiday. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> it's a companion film. <laughs> isn't there? Isn't there a version of this where he's driving off into the sunset? Basically, that's a theatrical cut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah buy it sequel that we'll have to do that in between this and blade runner 2049 <laughs> um <laughs> but i i feel like it almost gets there um but then the that twist doesn't really add anything because it's like he's now fallen in love with somebody that he knows is only going to live a few more years yeah uh and he's he's choosing to embrace that you know potential sense of loss when that happens anyway and say like i'm going to live my life like that's you don't need the extra layer to then be like, he also, because like clearly he's somebody who has not valued his life quite as much anyway. I mean, he's going and throwing himself up against these super strong robot people and is in a violent line of work. Um, so I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to tack on there. And I don't think, I think it's, it doesn't bother me as much as I thought it would when I like first learned about this movie and got into the different cuts and everything. Uh, but I, I feel like it doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fan of it at all. I think it completely undermines what character arc there is there. True. Um, just kind of rediscovering his humanity and Roy Batty saving him at the end. And then it's like, Oh, he's a replicant all along, but it doesn't lead to like, when you rewatch the movie, it's not like you're, you start connecting the pieces mm-hmm. and going, ah, oh, this suddenly makes sense to me. Like Tyrell brought him and Rachel together. Cause they're unique. And like, I don't know. I feel like any sort of like open-ended questions or conversations you can have with people aren't that interesting, yes. at least for that. Like uh, for me, the more interesting question is why does Ridley Scott think that uh, that's so interesting? Because he's the only one that is, like, gung-ho, like, Deckard's a replicant. Literally everyone else is like, we did not make this movie with that intention. Like, right. nobody else. <laughs> not the screenwriter, not Harrison Ford. Um, it really just all comes from Ridley Scott and that crazy brain of his. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really make a difference to me whether he is or not. I, I think it's only because I think of that argument just as a like film nerd argument and i'm generally pretty over those as sure. a concept <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i don't care if diehard's a christmas movie um i don't care if michael can or leonardo DiCaprio was in a dream or not and sure. i don't care like whatever it's a movie but um i think harrison ford is it, it's an interesting bit for me because i don't think harrison ford's a great actor i do think he's a great movie star I don't really know what makes him a great movie star, but I think he is one. Um, and he can be a good actor. He can be good in things. This is not a, a dragging of him. But on the one hand, I feel like if I saw this kind of character played by someone I did think was a very good actor, I would feel frustrated that they weren't being given more to yeah. work with, which I might be repeating next week. Um, but if I <laughs> oh, were... Snap. But at the same time, you kind of therefore need somebody who's just charismatic. You're, uh, you need, you're talking about Dave Batista, right? I'm talking about Dave, David uh, Hieronimo, Hieronimo <laughs> Batista. And, but it, it, I, don't, I don't know that 
Because like I don't like right in this moment, I don't know why I think Harrison Ford's a great movie star. Like I can't put no, my, I, my finger I, on it. That totally like like I think it is sort mm. of the. It's almost it's not the same thing, but it's the same effect. Uh, almost Dwayne Johnson esque, I think. And okay, it, it's the presence. It's the like. Yeah, and I, and I think that like that you kind of therefore need that for this character because there's not that much on the page. There's not that much for Deckard yeah. to be, and so if you give him. We'll just give him somebody who exudes a lot of charisma. Like, I think if this movie had made earlier, like, Paul Newman would have just burned it down. Um, or uh, that's it. Uh, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Why well, was a unicorn? Sinatra. Oh, hey. That, now we might be kicking with something. <laughs> I'm one of these cuckoo replicants. Hey. Fly me to the outer worlds. Let me mine a bunch <laughs> of rocks. <laughs> Then I'll come back to Earth and I'll give you a shock. Look, I'm not saying that Frank Sinatra will not be showing up in next week's episode, but... That'd be very impressive if you were somehow able to Ouija him into our life. <laughs> by that I mean... He's, oh he's man, in, I Ouija'd Sinatra! By that I mean he's in 2049, so... Oh, he is! You're right. I forgot about that. Um, As Ryan Gosling. I don't feel like this movie allows harrison ford to be charismatic like i feel like well yeah exactly like uh, but so... i feel like it, it's not only that he gets nothing to do he doesn't bring in he like he is completely restricted from even bringing anything to the table sure. like there's a couple of token moments where it's like oh he gives like a smart line or something and it's like oh there's yeah. there he is um like i think there's a bit where he's in his car and he's trying to contact um oh yeah he ends up contacting Pris, but he's trying to contact the, uh, I can't remember the name of the character. Um, William Sanderson's I, character. J.F. Oh, Sebastian. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, <laughs> Pris just immediately turns off the Skype screen and, and yes. Deckard goes, well, that's not a way to greet a friend or something, something like that. I'm like, oh, that's the, a Harrison Ford line. He there, gets nothing like that to do for the other hour and 45 minutes. The one scene that does stick out to me when he is visiting... I, I I don't know if this is Rachel. I don't remember who this is at this point in the movie. I all the characters in this movie are the same to me, um, except for Rutger Hauer and Harrison Ford is there, um, <laughs> and uh, he's visiting some lady uh, in a in the back of like a strip club, and he's oh, pretending yeah. to be sure he's pretending the to snake be snake charmer. Right, she's the yeah okay okay it's all come back to me. Uh, He's pretending to be like an inspector to try and find like if people have like drilled holes into the. <laughs> I into remember the walls. Scene. It's great with the most bizarre voice. It's exactly. great. No. no, it's great. Yeah. No, but the, my my point is like I think a, <laughs> I think a better like actor would do that in a way that's like oh they sort of like they totally transform you know sure. entirely like they're they're a totally different person. They have a, like a different accent, like somebody with a yeah, Scottish yeah, accent yeah. and and like they're totally different and like putting on this persona, you're like, wow, they totally transformed. But because Harrison Ford is doing, he's just doing like a kind of a weird affect. Uh, to me, it almost works better because it's like, that's how a real person sure. who is in a job like this would do is just like take on a slightly different sort of tone and and, and, <laughs> yeah. and like change up a little bit how they sound and like would not be a chameleon they'd be like 
I, do, I don't need to uh, fool you, you know, if you were like seeing two different versions of me on the street. Like, I, I just need you to like not think that I'm threatening, basically. <laughs> like, that. It, I don't know. That's I think point. I think it works. It's a it's actually like a a good threading of the needle of making it feel like, yeah, that's kind of believable that somebody would do something like that without. Yeah. I mean, taste. Everyone has their own taste, but I feel like it works okay for like not being totally ridiculous. No, I can't believe I almost forgot that. Cause that's a great, cause he is doing like a, uh, well, well, you know, sometimes people put holes <laughs> in the walls. We've always had trouble with the gear grinders. <laughs> There's a lot of spiral references tonight. Uh-huh. You guys want to, uh-huh. you guys want to talk about idle Springs next? Um, but was that before he, or after we started the podcast? Ah, uh, it's all, Hey, with me. <laughs> Anytime, We've decided, maybe. I don't know if this is before or after, but I am establishing that Ridley Scott uh, was a producer on the first Skyro yep. video game. Yeah. Blade Runner 2049, Ripto's Rage. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, man, that'd be great. Jared Leto could play Ripto. Yeah. I don't be, know what be hilarious. a Ripto is. <laughs> Just look it up, or don't, and you'll be right. You'll okay. know that I'm, I'm right. I'm now imagining uh, Jared Leto with sort of like big spiky red hair. You know what? You're not wrong. Okay. Okay. You're at, cool. you know what? Yeah. <laughs> you're spiritually, you're pretty, you're also getting a little bit into Kingdom Hearts, but that's okay. Sure. Kingdom Hearts 2. The point is. Jared Leto is Sora. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Although he probably has said to someone, I'm beginning to have these weird thoughts lately. I wonder if any of this is for real or not. Yeah. Anyway. While while playing Joker for Suicide Squad, yeah, <laughs> correct. Mighty. Where why are we? We're making so many references to people who are showing up in 2049, and I'm yeah. uncomfortable. Oh yeah, with this. I guess that does happen. Stop. Anyway, Lenny James. <laughs> the point is, I think that scene is very funny when Harrison Ford is just talking to an, an increasingly naked lady about her fake mm-hmm. snake mm-hmm. in a silly voice. I I just think it's really weird because like she doesn't buy it at all. It's like a complete sure. failure. Yeah. Like, but again, that, okay. I, I don't know. that is the one thing I like about that. And I, Alex, I feel like you've you've talked about enjoying this in, in movies uh, such as No Time to Die and other films. Um, <laughs> when he when he goes into the, that shootout, like, don't shoot me, love. I'm, I'm not James Bond at all. That would be very good. I mean, actually. if it turned out that uh, the inspector in the Knives Out movies is actually James Bond <laughs> doing an impression <laughs> like... I didn't die. I just got better. (laughs) Woke up in the bayou. It it turns out that after he gets shot off of the train in Skyfall, he actually just became an inspector for a while. Uh. (laughs) I'm okay with that. That's my headcanon. It makes sense to me. The... I can't go... I can't keep... That's that's that thread will have to stay unraveled. Um, <laughs> the that well, they, I, the I fact you're talking about scenes where like they they set up something but they immediately subvert it. Is that what not, you're no about? not subversion about the fact that Harrison Ford is just getting beaten up all the time in this movie and like oh yeah I like that yeah is is totally like he's not super competent he's just sort of uh, resilient he he keeps keeps getting through these wild action scenes and sort of like struggling through them um yeah i i mean i definitely appreciate that i just think it's uh, it doesn't quite match they they t- they keep talking about him as 
you are the guy. You are sure. the best of the Blade Runners. Like, you, this is why we're bringing you out of retirement, which they don't really delve into that at all. Because yeah. he's why a replicant. He, he never was retired, man. No. Mm-hmm. It's all implanted. There you go. That could be the answer. I mean, that could legitimately be when they're telling you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the best part about all of this. There are no rules because Ridley (laughs) Scott doesn't care about them. It's kind of like how you guys met Santa Claus, but that's just a memory (laughs) that's been implanted in you. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And like, come on, why would he visit you and not me? That's crazy, right? (laughs) Crazy. But I do like how visceral the movie is. I, I of course, I like that stuff and, and the fact that the, the action scenes get very, very violent and like they have consequences to the actions. Like just just the scene and what we can talk about the end, because I think the, the chase between Roy and Deckard is absolutely mm. fantastic. And it might be my favorite sequence of the whole movie. But when Roy grabs Deckard's hand through the wall and he starts just breaking his fingers. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's ah. Uh, that freaks me out. <laughs> he stabs the nail through his hand, and yeah, because his hand starts to well, go. There's, so yeah, there's a lot of biblical imagery towards the end. Yeah. Uh, well, three, because um, there's <laughs> the nail. There's the nail in the hand. Uh, Roy has a dove at one point, which yeah. might be a Siegfried and Roy reference. Now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> maybe it's less Jesus and more Vegas. Oh, God, <laughs> speaking of speaking of the modern day. Um, <laughs> Once again, we'll see you guys for Blade Runner 2049. But there's also, just, before yeah. uh, uh, Roy betrays and kills Tyrell, he kisses him. So it's a Judas thing. Right. So there's yeah. there's a few, there's a little bit of that in there. Uh, Rucker Howard's great, by the way. Sometimes. Yes, he Rucker does Howard kiss is... people. <laughs> Lee Scott does kiss people before murdering them sometimes. T- 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 tenderly. <laughs> a soft, um, a, but, but only, but, I, only butterfly kisses. <laughs> Wait, like... come here. Bat, 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 bat. All right, good night, <laughs> sweetie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, Rucker Howard is awesome. Um, I feel like we should we should pause and address like where we all stand on Ridley Scott because sure, like I I think he he can make something look very good, and I think like as a director in terms of the craft of directing, um, <clears throat> he's obviously really impressive, but like. I have never really seen a movie of his that I have meshed with. Yeah, um, you have. We've we've talked about uh, the counselor. <laughs> what am I? What am I forgetting? The Martian. Yeah, I guess so. That's a, that is so still bizarre. Like I never, I you, I always, I think just assume that the Martian was like, oh yeah, that's J.J. Abrams or whatever. <laughs> like, that's, well, I remember mentioning just, on the podcast I, once, and Alex said that's not a Ridley Scott movie, and I said he directed it, so it is. But I know what you mean. Like, <laughs> like I always it just still assume, feels like yeah. If I'm not specifically thinking about the fact that he directed that, I just sort of right. Somebody else just like, hmm? oh, perhaps, yeah, perhaps, perhaps that other guy. Did I legitimately for, say that the Martian was not a Ridley Scott movie? You were joking. I remember yes. this. Oh, okay, yeah. But now, uh, but I I almost think of it more as a Drew Goddard movie. Yeah, yeah. Or, I don't know. You know, yeah. That's a, that's what got Colin Trevorrow the. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was what uh, Christoph Kozlowski followed up uh, Red with. Um, <laughs> took a twenty uh, year break. I yeah. mean, the next color's orange, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I, the next color is space. Black. Um. <laughs> Rid- Ridley Scott for me. I mean, and he did Alien, but which, like, again, I great, yeah. very, very impressive. Like, I can acknowledge it's a great movie. It does not really 
like click for me in the way that like aliens does um <clears throat> so that like i feel like that's I, I come into any of his movies and i i'm always a little bit wary of like i'm probably not really going to like this even though there will be things where i'm like yeah i i see i see why you did that that yeah that was neat <laughs> yeah he's he's one for me where i feel like i've probably seen a lot more of his movies than i realize i have um and i have like like alien is great i really like the martian and i i haven't seen like some of his big ones like i haven't seen thelma and louise um there's probably some others but like I house think, of gucci i haven't seen house sure. of gucci I think he made Legend with Tom Cruise. I want to say that that was him. Which is actually where the unicorn comes from. Oh, well, there it is. Shooting test footage for Legend. And he was like, hey. Interesting. I'm going to add something dumb to Blade Runner. (laughs) Well, and I remember liking it. (laughs) Tom Cruise was like, why are you telling me this? (laughs) Because I like weird 80s fantasy. So I I like that movie. But, you know, he's, he's such a mixed bag for me. And I... Like weirdly, I remember having a fondness for a good year. That kind of out of nowhere movie he made with uh, Russell Crowe, and um, I, I, I maybe the best way I can. Oh, I remember liking Kingdom of Heaven, but that was a million years ago that I saw that. But maybe the it might be best summed up by my experience with Gladiator, which is I kept having to rewatch it because I was like, no, I can like this movie. This viewing just didn't work. I just got to watch it again, and then I'll like right. it. And I kept going back to it. Maybe like the fourth time, I went, all right, now I like it. And then I didn't like it for very long. I don't hate Gladiator. <laughs> Gladiator's got some cool stuff in it. Yeah, no, like, I mean, Gladiator is the same way. And like, that's a movie that I was like, man, everyone loves this. I better watch it. And I watched it and I was like, cool. Yeah, Good. no, for sure. It's like, I I get Good why one. that's Russell Crowe's Oscar. That shouldn't be Russell Crowe's Oscar. <laughs> and I don't, it's not a Russell Crowe drag. I like him. But yeah, it's 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 a weird, yeah, Scott's is an interesting guy because every now and again, he will make something brilliant and I understand why he's not just still going off. He's not just coasting off of alien. Yeah. Um, he has made things and there are things in this movie that are good because of him, I think. Yeah. But yeah, just, he's not somebody that I just have blind faith in, you know, he's not, or where the, the, uh, the things that I love so outweigh the other stuff. Like I'm sure I've seen Spielberg movies that don't land with me, but he's still Spielberg. So I still tend to go, I'm going to give the, I will probably, there's a higher chance I'll like this Spielberg movie than that I'll dislike it. But yeah. Oddly enough, Ridley Scott reminds me of some ways that he reminds me of Zack Snyder, um, where he's kind of very, that makes one of them very happy. (laughs) (laughs) And his name is Ridley Scott. Um, His name is Scott Snyder. (laughs) (laughs) The Um, Batman writer. Yeah. But it, it, it all comes down to the script that they're working with because they're going to make a good looking movie they're, yeah. and they're, they're going to get into the world building and they're going to cast it with all the best people. It doesn't matter if they're giving good performances or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously they're very good at the technical side of things as storytellers, maybe not so much. And that's why I think, yeah, ultimately Bradley Scott, I would say has a richer filmography than yeah. Zack Snyder. Um, but that's because Snyder likes writing. <laughs> and he's got, what, 22 years on? Yeah, I mean, he, he has just more films in Sny- general. Snyder already part. has the the sort of defenders of, of BVS and such. Like, yeah. 20 years from now, <laughs> Snyder could be uh, considered like this sort of 
I don't know what what's the next thing that he's got coming out. This, I think we've talked about this. Before. Yeah, like Moon Moon Head or something. Moon Moon Girl. So, some about the moon. dinosaur. Man. Jurassic World <laughs> Nine. I yeah. can't. Yeah, it was some about him. I'm gonna look it up. My my point is Ridley Scott. It, it the quality of his movie, the overall quality, it it just depends on the script because auto. All these other elements that are dependent on him are going to work, regardless. Yeah. But if the script doesn't work, you know, I I would say I I think my favorite films of his, Alien, The Martian, Black Hawk Down, also. Mm-hmm. Um, that is probably one that I need to see. In yeah, same. Find myself enjoying more. Um, I even liked All the Time in the World, that movie that came out a few years ago, and they had to replace oh, all Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer in like two weeks and you can't tell. It's I heard like, Plummer was tremendous in that. Yeah, he's really he's good. He's such a good actor. Um, But you know, obviously you've got Prometheus and Alien Covenant and they just don't have strong scripts. Like they, they are sure. good looking movies, but they don't have strong scripts. And I would argue that, you know, you've got some of the ones of, in his filmography that are considered classics like this or Gladiator that just have so-so scripts. So they're so-so movies. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Rebel Moon is the Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah. maybe well, people then, like, will think of Rebel Moon like Zack Snyder's yeah. Gladiator. You know, well, there's a period of time where like he and Russell Crowe would only make movies with each other. It was like mm-hmm. Robin Hood and American Gangster, which I remember Robin Hood just being a complete flatline for me. Um, and I, I yeah. don't remember American Gangster very well. But yeah, he's an interesting. I'm like I said, I'm not ready to. I'm not going to write him off, but I also just can't be like, oh, Ridley Scott, I'm in. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, and the Last Kingdom, Alex. I know you liked not Last Last Duel. Yeah, Last Duel, but that's because it had a, a strong script. Right, right. Like I said, um, but yeah, I I just he he doesn't need to get involved in in the story process. Just let that happen, and if it's good, then he can make the movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because then you get because if he gets involved, then you get weird nonsense. Like, is Deckard a replicant? I wasn't asking that question, guys. <laughs> I don't know why you are. Well, that, that, the same question comes up in House of Gucci of, <laughs> of Paolo it's, Gucci. Is Gu- no, is this Gucci a replicant Gucci? No, the question is, is Jared Leto actually in this movie? <laughs> it looks like him, but you can't be sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll never tell. There are actually a couple of other hints that Deckard is a replicant in this beyond just the unicorn. Um, yeah, there's a, like a, a plug socket in his lower back. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. he had the, yeah, yeah, that's weird. Hooking into the matrix. <laughs> there's there's a very neat lighting effect that they have for replicant characters, where it's it's almost like you can see like there's something artificial in their eyes. Yeah, there's some. I, I'm I'm not sure if it's just like they have like a really bright light on like the side of their face, just like zoomed in on their eye, or how the effect is done. But there's a very brief moment where it shows Rachel and the effect is happening. And you see Deckard walk in behind her out of focus. And you can see the same effect on his eyes. And so it's like, oh, is that yeah, that intentional? Well, because they do that with the owl as well, which right. is, which is do, pretty neat. They do it with the owl. I think they do it with Pris and Roy at certain points as well. They were James um, almost. So yeah, that, that's... Yeah. Yeah. It is. When he keep, he keeps having to stop to buffer. That was a it's a weird <laughs> bit where like every three minutes he's like, wait, hang on. 
All right, let's go. Turns out Roy <laughs> didn't actually die at the end. He was just waiting for somebody to approve his update. Right. <laughs> he <laughs> nobody enabled cookies. I can only do so much like cookies in rain. <laughs> that sounds gross. Um, <laughs> it is. You ever eaten rain cookie? I I have not. Oh, I don't want to. I don't recommend Cookie lady. <laughs> Uh, I there's a line from the lady that uh the the snake lady that <clears throat> um Harrison Ford is diligently trying to protect from peeping toms. Um, and she Holes. says, I think we I think we referenced this earlier. She says that her snake is, or do you think I could afford a real snake? This raises too many questions for me because, like, the snake the snake looks real, right? So it's it's clearly an advanced uh robotic replicant design. And like I, clearly the implication is like okay snakes are like not they're they're rarer because this is, this is an industrialized dystopian world so like there's all that but like who's who's shelling out for a crazy robot snake? I like that just cuz snakes are more rare it wouldn't mean that robot snakes are like easy to come by i would think well i think that's the idea because they talk about like there's not artificial there's artificial meat now and the owl's artificial that like at this point manufacturing replica animals is is easier than finding real ones i don't know i just see it's like Mm. what i feel like she probably just wouldn't have either it would make more sense to me (laughs) well it's you know um yeah the world building is questionable I mean, maybe the idea is like, you know, you go to the grocery store and you can get your, your just very, you know, off the rack, just like chicken to cook. Or you I was going to say for like the organic, no hormones, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like twice the price. I think that's the idea. I was going to say you, you go in and you just you just every grocery store has actual cows now because they're replicate yeah. cows. You just buy the cows. I mean, in this well, economy. Why do it when you can get the milk for free? Yeah. The replicant uh, milk. Mm, Yum. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more Westworld. I I really I enjoy William Sanderson on principle. He's great on Deadwood. And uh, though he is, of course, without his brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl, um, he's delightful in this as Sebastian. Uh, even though he has to say the line. Some variation of my friends are toys. I make them. He says some variation of that about fifteen mm. times. Um, that's most of his dialogue. Uh, but I just like him. He's got such a great voice, and like, I just love actors that have this like these great regional accents. And he's he's wonderful. Um, and I I like the relationship he tries to form with Pris, where he's like clearly got a crush on her, but he's not like fully going for it. He's just like, well, you sure are pretty. All that kind of stuff. Like, I think it's great. And I, the toys are creepy as heck. Yeah. The little yeah. bear walks out there. Are you kidding me? That is like a really effective when Harrison Ford's having to walk through the sort of crowd of of various robot experiments, replicant experience yeah. experiments. Um, that is a really good like, and it's a good like thematic culmination of like the exploration of these replicants and yeah. you know totally diving into their world and like you know going to a place where they're all being created and and it's all these distorted versions of humanity like yeah it's yeah messed up well like 
when uh, when uh, Sebastian and uh, Daryl Hannah first come back to his his house, like the little bear and the little Napoleon guy just like walk out, and it's it's terrifying. Like Barbarella, it was great. I miss stuff like that. Like I talked in the last last week's episode about the bad puppets in Dominion, but I I love love those old like eighties practical effects. And I was I was thinking about this while I watched the movie. Like the I like the digital effects in it too. Like yeah, they're super dated, but that's why I yeah. like them. It's kind of like how you can enjoy, you can really love a singer who's not a great technical singer, but you love the scratch in their voice. You love that their voice has some, like Bonnie Raitt is not like, she's an amazing singer, tremendous vocalist, but she's not like, I don't know, she's not Maria Callas. You know, she's not hitting this like exact pitch. She's just got a really, the voice has a lot of character to it. Uh, A lot of folks, singers, you can put this to, to, I mean, Alex, I know you're a big Pete Yorn fan. You probably put him kind of in that camp. I love Tom Waits, similarly. And I, I'm going off on a tangent to say that's how I view 80s digital effects in a way. Where I'm like, some of them do just look bad, but some of them look like beautifully dated. Like, man, look at look yeah. at the way they used to do it. That's so cool. And I just love the way some of these effects look. Like, I love the old Harryhausen uh, stop motion stuff. They don't look necessarily sophisticated, but they're just neat. And they're, I don't know, they're fun. Yeah. One thing that did distract me throughout this is that it feels like it's a movie that is ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Like it's, yeah. you know, the overall look of the movie feels like it's, you know, closer to more of like a late eighties, nineties thing. Like, sure. It, I mean, it's, it's really effective effects. Uh, but the action sometimes feels like it's more seventies. <laughs> like, sure. Uh, I get that. Sort of, there's a there's a earlier, almost earlier James Bond esque sometimes. Um, there was a lot of attempting to use slow motion to kind of like add add things, but the sort of stunt choreography, I guess, is not very, um, not done smoothly enough that it really sells it in slow motion. Um, and so there are a couple of points that took me out of the the movie because of that, like the uh, when he shoots uh, Snake Lady. Uh, she does like a tumble in slow motion uh, that my, I was just like sitting there thinking like, is that, is she, did she do that at normal speed or was that like, she did a slow one and they slowed it down even more. I don't like my brain was just trying to process what I was looking at. Um, And then similarly, uh, there's the part near the end where Pris is, uh, has him in like a chokehold with her legs and she's like, sitting on his shoulders um and there's a lot of back and forth of looking at him and looking at her and you don't really have any sense of like how they are still standing up <laughs> like it's not it's very like they're doing a lot of like fighting but they're all just standing in one place and it's like couldn't he just like lean over and like fall on her <laughs> like that wouldn't that'd be more effective than whatever he's trying to do right now um because the scene goes on for like a minute of, yeah. of her sitting on well a lot of like the weird. the gun sound effects are like chunky is yeah. the only way i can think uh to describe them yeah I, I i i know what you mean it's a movie that i can totally see how when it came out for some people it was a complete like what yeah. what are you talking about and for some people it was life-changing i completely understand both initial camps agreed you know um, like batman forever well i mean i I would argue that Batman Forever is taking a lot of cues from this movie. Just what, really? In terms of <laughs> I just think it's random. 
Um, okay, well, like Hotel for Dogs. Yeah, yeah, I would argue that Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> I mean, this movie ends in a hotel. All right. And you uh, hoisted on my own petard. I don't think there are any dogs. Maybe that's sort of Hotel for Dogs is really a companion piece to Blade Runner because I mean it's a it's a prequel. It 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 shows it shows how a world falls. Yeah, that's, 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 that's yeah. The, the that's end of the that movie, the the, ho- the the dog hotel becomes a corporation that just fills yeah. the air with fire I, and flame. I, I love I love the sequel, Planet of the Dogs. Uh, War fall. for the Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> fall of the Hotel for Dogs. Uh, <laughs> beneath the hotel for the dog <laughs> all right all right i know emma roberts is listening to this podcast we have a pitch for you <laughs> emma you don't even have to come on the show i just need you to go to i don't know jim universal and tell him yeah. check it out i got a movie that's guaranteed to make bafo bo baby <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got i don't know who owns blaine rider but you got like 10 years of runway to figure out how to connect that at the end. Yeah. So make get, sure. get to work on the rights there. But you see it in the first movie. They're like, that's not a real dog. And it's like a Poochie, that toy from the nineties. It's a robot dog. <laughs> they're like, that's so weird. <laughs> and the, and <laughs> the very first shot of the movie is, is a kid on a, like a skateboard or something. Yeah. Uh, and someone's like, dude, sweet, sweet blade. I guess it'd be like <laughs> rollerblades. It's probably more. Yeah. Dude, yeah. sweet blades. Where are you running off to? (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys know, are they called Blade Runners in the book? I don't think so. I wonder where they got that name from. Probably just pulled it from a random spec script and they're like, that sounds cool. It's almost a name that I want to work. I want the movie to use it in a more effective way. Like I want it to be better explored because that's a very cool name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense initially for what <laughs> he does. I will say, and I know like the narration is largely infamous. I maybe it's just because I already know the movie pretty well and what the premise is, but like I don't feel like the narration is that necessary. Like I feel like the opening crawl sets up everything very clearly. I I really think uh, most of that comes from like the movie is so slow and sort of yeah. Um, pondering and and like there's so much just like letting it breathe and letting the atmosphere sit that like again talking about not really something that people would have seen before like i think that probably was very like oh oh god people are gonna look at this and wonder what in the world is going on uh as as we sit there looking at this beautiful shot of these these two guys like totally uh beaten down in the rain (laughs) Yeah, that's that's probably the, the funniest one of all because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, yeah, the it, narration is unnecessary. It just kind of cuts in and explains literally what's happening, and it's like, no, I've got, I've got that. <laughs> There's not a whole lot going on here. Like, like in the theatrical cut, Rutger Howard does the beautiful tears and rain speech that he like wrote the night before. Like, he, that's all him just coming up with stuff that he wanted to do with this character. Um. And in the theatrical cut, like, he releases the dove, it flies away, it's all dramatic, he puts his head down, you know, time to die. 
And then it cuts to Harrison Ford just slow motion, just like staring at him. I don't know why he decided to save my life. (laughs) Maybe in that final moment, he decided that human life was worth something after all. Yeah, the movie's almost over, folks. Don't you worry. <laughs> That's the best part of it is that it's not like there's insight. Like he's not. At no point is the narration like giving you like context. It's just like it, it is explaining what's happening in the scene so that yeah. people don't totally lose track of it when the movie doesn't really care if you keep track anyway. Yeah. Um, but it, it it's even better because it is like it's like Forrest Gump. Like that's, that's <laughs> that sort of like just a very superficial analysis of what yeah. is happening. I was um, just climbing up a ladder and a dinosaur popped out, scared me right off of it. Anyway, here you see me falling to the ground. Oh, I'm on my back. Now I'm just going to get up and try to run out with my friend Ellie Sattler. And also a tiny little clone baby we know is Maisie. Anyway, this is us getting up to the to the front of the mine. There's some dinosaurs chasing us. We're not going to show them to you too much. Don't worry. Don't want the kids to get scared or excited. <laughs> and here comes my my transient metrosexual friend Ian Malcolm. Now I don't know if that's PC to say, but I'm Alan Grant. Maybe that's something I don't care about. Character's not been very well drawn for a while. Anyway, he's pushing some buttons and typing in I don't know what. Then this one, Alan Grant is a sort of a folksy. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think t- story, <laughs> I story. I like that you're either. starting to give narration for the Alan Grant narration. <laughs> I do want to defend Harrison Ford a little bit because I know I I was bashing his performance earlier, which yeah, I don't really man. I don't really blame him so much. I think it's more just direction and the fact that he didn't really know what to do with a lot mm-hmm. of the material. Um, I've seen in the behind the scenes documentary stuff they show him doing the voiceover and i get the impression that ridley scott's not even there i get the impression that they've kind of pushed him aside to finish the edit and there's just a guy off screen just telling him lines to say so i know a lot of people joke about like oh harrison ford like intentionally made his dialogue and the narration bad because he hoped that they wouldn't use it and then they did I don't get that impression. I get the impression that he was genuinely confused and he didn't know how to d- deliver it. Yeah. Not he was trying to sabotage it. So. The, uh, I, I literally was taken out of the movie by remembering the fact that there was a narration during that scene. And like, that was distracting for me to remember. Yeah. <laughs> when watching it this time, it is, uh, quite bad because that's a really beautiful scene uh and apparently yeah. Rutger Hauer just like made that up on the spot um that's it's like no it's terrific yeah amazing uh one of like I think the best well, not, best scenes in film history is maybe overshooting it but like I think it's really like it and it just like it hits hard and it it comes out of nowhere it's an incredible like delivery yeah the lines um super memorable the music the shot like it's it's really, really good and i think i remembered it being more cold the way he says it just i think my memory of it he's mm-hmm. like like tears in rain but it, i love that it's mournful i love mm-hmm. that he he is accepting mortality and and everything as he's saying I, I just think it's very impressive i don't know why he decided to <laughs> save my life <laughs> <laughs> 
I I love that entire kind of last stretch of the movie. I the, the whole cat, cat and mouse game between yeah. Deckard and Roy and Roy's not even really trying to do much. It's mm. mostly just him running around and howling to just scare him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I really like, and just like he just shoves his head through the wall. And he's like, "You better do something quick." I don't know. It's really good. I like it. I like it a lot. I may just be a simple cowboy doll, but there's a little space toy here come to take all my clout, as the kids will say in about 20 years. Now over here's my friend Andy. He's a giant, which is what I think kids are. (laughs) (laughs) That boy brought bedsheets, and we're not too sure why you'd invite him. (laughs) (laughs) I like I like narrating movies this way. Yeah, I may just be a a blonde, just, uh, fa- sort of fashion obsessed woman, but I believe I could go to Harvard Law. <laughs> what? Like it's hard? That's the line I said earlier to Warner. You remember Warner, <laughs> my my one time paramour, now ex beau. I'm using different words to show you my extensive vocabulary. Thus, would. Thus, further cementing and making it more believable that I would get into Harvard quickly. I say again, what? Like it's hard? Anyway, this is my friend Paulette! Well, you see, all these, uh, all these, all these thugs on this boat are discovering that it is Morbin time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna leave it there. That's all. That's all I got. Alex, do one. (laughs) Do Vanilla Sky. My it's computer won't work, so I need support. tech support down here. Tech support. Tech support. <laughs> I'm thinking about tech support. No, I want it to be I want it to be from Kurt Russell's point of view, the narration. Mm. I don't know why he decided to, to jump off that building. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was at a point where he realized I'm in a dream world and I should probably leave for the real world because themes are something. <laughs> Spoilers for the end of Vanilla Sky, by the way. <laughs> Now, I may just be a simple secret agent super chimp, but but I'm going to go help this young lady with my cool sunglasses and mini gadgets. That's right, I'm a spy mate, if you will. I feel like we may have uh, exhausted the Blade Runner discourse. Aren't you guys glad that I'm not mean anymore? I spent the last two weeks being mean, but now I'm back to comedy. Yeah, now you can, yeah. Enjoy one of your favorite movies. Yeah, I sure can. I I do want (laughs) Mr. Darcy sure does have a lot of prejudice, (laughs) but in a way, I guess I have my share of pride. (laughs) Now over here, you'll see my sister Jane, who's about to marry the wild-haired Mr. Bingley. Men men wore their hair pretty crazy back now. (laughs) Alex, quick, we have an opening. (laughs) <laughs> I I did want to throw out like I I just I I can't say enough good things about just the sheer world building here. Yes. Um whether it's I mean it's it's just all the little small details like I like how you know you've got several characters like Gaff that are speaking like this it's it's like a new language it's like a combination of different languages but it's a small detail you don't notice it unless you've seen the movie several times and you start to piece that together or like just the fact that you know we have James Hong's character in just like this 
small i don't know it's not a store but it's like a little factory and it's all frozen because he's making the eyes and he's he's got the, this weird contraption where he's got these these tubes stuck in the back of his jacket i guess to keep him warm um i don't know this is just so so many rich little details and i don't know it's just it's a it's a feast for the eyes and I really loved all the like East Asian influence on it, the sort of prediction of of what society will look like as as those parts of the world sort of become more and more influential on each other. Yeah, Atari still exists in this universe. Coca Cola. Yeah, Coca Cola still exists. <laughs> <laughs> now I said I'm more of a Pepsi guy myself, and then I entered the future, and I said, well guess it's not for me <laughs> that's uh the narration from the founder two <laughs> the founder two founder to founder they call it no founder two they found it again what more mcdonald's huh <laughs> what is it where did he go <laughs> is that does that mean the founder two is about burger king <laughs> yeah oh it's it's uh founder two supersize me <laughs> or supersized, I guess, because Supersize Me is the documentary that you don't want to associate. That well, Supersized but. is what they call the unrated cut that you can buy at Walmart. <laughs> oh, it's the Supersized edition. That's okay. It's not that kind of joke. <laughs> I guess it could be. <laughs> um, I guess I can speak real briefly to some of the other differences between the cuts. Um. So like we said, the narration is probably the most significant one, as well as the unicorn. Um, the other one being the uh, alternate ending to the film, because when they were putting the, the edit together for the theatrical cut, they were like, oh, this movie's too depressing. <laughs> we need to end it on something a little bit happier. Um, so they asked Stanley Kubrick for B-roll footage of the opening of the shining when they're driving to the hotel and it's just helicopter shots like around mountain ranges and stuff and he was like yeah just don't use anything that's actually in the movie um so it's that cut with harrison ford and uh sean young in his car just kind of like driving away which raises all sorts of questions because i guess la just sucks but not the rest of the world yeah why are (laughs) snakes so hard to find I don't know. <laughs> They're all uh, in Nebraska. But what's even looking hard? We're driving to Nebraska. We're getting a real snake. <laughs> That's my headcanon. <laughs> but what's even better is like the narration is is just as baffling. Cause he goes, Gaff didn't know what he was talking about. We don't know Rachel's lifespan. We don't know how long she's got to live. Tyrell said she was off the books and special. So we'll go and live our lives or something. And then it ends. Off the books and special is what my third grade teacher wrote on my report card. (laughs) (laughs) I never really got that. (laughs) That's very good. That's Chris Pratt's narration from Jurassic World to me. (laughs) There's a big uh, featherless chicken coming at me, but I'm still trying to figure out what was going on with that teacher. Hey. I don't know why the T-Rex threw the gigantosaurus into the dinosaur with the spiky claws, <laughs> but 
maybe it realized that it's just like us. I don't know why this movie's so focused on Locus. You think after the last two movies both made over a billion dollars each, they would have gone, maybe these dinosaurs have something to do with it. Nope. <laughs> I don't know why those cranks hated Christmas so much. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to get that snowman like on the roof. Or my I... name's not Dan Aykroyd's character. <laughs> I really like the idea of doing a Christmas with the cranks spinoff that's like a very serious, like, sort of uh, quiet, like, personal film. Yeah. That's sort of a... Uh, Who's the? You just recommended a movie from her, uh, Kelly Reichardt. Sort of, sort of a Kelly Reichardt style, like very quiet film about like their perspective on these bizarre, yeah, uh, this bizarre family, and like they've also got their own drama going on, and like, yeah, <laughs> some sort of Oscar, Oscar bait that that sort of like swerves at the very end that you realize it's about Christmas with the. <laughs> <laughs> at the end the doorbell rings and it's jamie lee curtis and you're like what oh. they got her <laughs> it'll just be called crankier the halloween narration is just i don't know why i decided to kill my sister i guess something just got into me Some i like to think it was sam Hain. i like to think half the time he would just start humming. <laughs> Michael, that's a really like problematic song. I'm Michael Myers. <laughs> I have nothing else to say about Blade Runner. <laughs> Apparently, neither do we. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna give it a C plus. Um, I think ultimately it's a movie that I respect more than I like. It's got a yeah. lot yeah. of real value here, and I understand its place and time and the importance that it has not just on sci-fi films, but just on films in general. Um Rutger Hauer is amazing, set design's superb, the score is awesome, but the protagonist and the romance are not great. <laughs> C plus. Uh, they did it better the second time. I will give it a B minus for the same reasons. I'm gonna give it a B for Blade Runner. <laughs> I think I mostly just like the 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 tears and rain scene. Yeah, just works on me quite a bit. I like how often we default to whatever the first letter of the title is <laughs> or something key to the movie. We're like, uh, it works more often than you think. I give it a J for Jumanji. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I have a movie to recommend. Um, well, it's kind of the only movie I care about anymore. <laughs> um, okay. It's the most important movie in the world to me. Uh, it's a movie called Countdown. Uh, it's about an app that kills you, and I love it. <laughs> no, uh, this, this, the, 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 the caveat I will give this movie, the two caveats I will give this movie. One, I really recommend listening to the Flophouse episode. They recently did one on it. Uh, I think it sets, it's a really good episode, but it also sets the movie up really well. It kind of couches the movie properly for you. Uh, I also, I am firmly recommending this movie as a good, bad movie. Having said that, 
I think it's a good bad movie that actually has some some pretty nice things going for it. Like, uh, it is it it's it is good enough and has enough things working for it to make me go, this premise can work for like a fun, like an intentionally fun horror movie. And I think it's aiming for like a Final Destination that kind of vibe, um, and it doesn't quite get get to that point. Um, and I think it gets pretty close and it also is, I don't know if it's overthought out or oversimplified because on the one hand, there's a lot of details that I think are interesting, but then they also don't explain. Sometimes you feel like, no, I need, I need more clarity on what that means, but also you're going into a lot of detail about this. So it kind of goes back and forth, but never in a way that I felt frustrated by. Uh, it stars Elizabeth Lale who uh, was Guinevere Beck on you. I think she's terrific on that show. Um, and and she's yeah, fine okay. here. And uh, <laughs> there's other, uh, Peter Fascinelli and Tom Segura. There's I was going to say, I did, I did just look up the cast and I saw her and was trying to remember where she was for a second. And sure. I thought she, for a second, she was, um, what's her name from Riverdale? Oh, sure. Uh, uh, Lily Reinhardt. Lily Reinhardt. Uh, and then I looked at the cast and I was like, this is kind of a Riverdale cast. This is like is an alternate Riverdale cast. One of the, I think one of them actually was on Riverdale. So yeah, tracks yeah it very much is uh the other big caveat i will give this movie is that it does attempt a storyline about workplace sexual harassment and attempted assault that the movie is not equipped to handle <laughs> i think the movie is definitely has its heart in the right place sure. I, I i i i definitely agree with where the movie is trying to go with it it's just not you didn't need to go there to do what that plot ends up serving the movie for or what, yeah, how that movie, how the movie ends up using that plot. Um, but it is kind of funny. There's like, there's a priest played by PJ Byrne from The Boys. And then the second priest who just kind of is in the movie occasionally to say things like, God works in mysterious ways. We're not meant to know. And then just walk <laughs> away and keep eating his cake. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's like, it, is unknowable. it's got some stuff in it that is stupid and it's fun. It's got some stuff in it that's actually kind of, kind of works. So uh, I don't know. I recommend it for the podcast and the podcast listeners. I think it's a fun movie. It's on Netflix. It's 90 minutes uh, and it's called Countdown. And it's a lot about user agreements. All right. All <laughs> and right. coding and stuff like that. And hacking. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. That speaks to me. Totally. You guys are real gearboxes. I'm sure you could enjoy it. Sure. Okay, Alex, you want to recommend... Sometimes I wonder why he decided to press the check for accepting the terms and conditions. That is phone. what a lot of the movie's about, yeah. <laughs> His phone went to sleep for three hours to download that update. He missed all the sports updates. Didn't know what was going on. Couldn't take down do any that of that on those. a Saturday afternoon. Who else is going to take down all those nasty green pigs in Angry Birds? <laughs> Anyway, would you like to recommend something? Uh, I I started watching Succession. I am almost done with the first season. Um, I don't know if I'm quite in a place to recommend it just yet. It's it is really good. The acting's all wonderful. Everyone knows that, and it's the talk of the town. Succession, no, it's great. Um, <laughs> the cat's pajamas says Alex. But but I would like to throw a huge caveat on there that if you are looking for something relatively light and yeah. like super bingeable, it's not really that. It's definitely heavy and every character is unlikable. 
every one of them. <laughs> just, Even the people that aren't in the family, anyone anyone that touches it is terrible. Justine Loop is not entirely dislikable. No, I mean they. Uh, that's the wonderful thing about the show, though. They all feel real. They yeah. they they will have moments where it's like, oh, that was very nice that with yeah. that character. Oh, now they. All right, they're back to being terrible. Like right. it, it constantly flip flops, and I find that fascinating that it's able sure. to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. I've only seen the first season, but God, Matthew McFadden and Nicholas Braun, just like forget about it. I do think my real recommendation is going to be the uh, making of documentary for Blade Runner that I. Hmm talked about it's called dangerous days um like i said it's pretty lengthy it's pretty comprehensive and particularly if you're interested in all the editing and the voiceover stuff and all that like gets into it and it's got interviews with basically everyone so if you want to hear it straight from ridley scott as he talks maddeningly about parts of the movie um there you go it's fascinating does the does the documentary have narration (laughs) ah I can't remember. It might have some narration. Now we're cutting over to Ridley Scott. I hope it's George Lucas. (laughs) It's just, well, uh, yeah, it looks like Ridley Scott is uh, directing some movies here. Still, I I lent him like three. movies sometimes. I lend him like three Jawas and they're not even in the movie. I was really upset that I, he he stole Harrison away from me. (laughs) I needed him for more Return of the Jedi. He had to stand in the woods more with the Ewoks. I, I stood uh, on one in, in one part of the room and Ridley stood in the other part and we said we said Harrison come over here and he had to choose and he picked Stephen <laughs> which was weird but but Stephen brought the KFC so I get it <laughs> I would too well you know all, all you really have to do to uh, you know get actors to really understand you. Uh, is you just you just talk to them like people and you bring them fried <laughs> chicken. You bring them bring them KFC. <laughs> it really is the simple things. Yeah, <laughs> that's why Harrison Ford keeps coming back for all these movies. It's like, oh, I have the chicken. <laughs> why did you do Rise of Skywalker? Chicken. All right, that can't be mad at you. Have you ever had chicken with Adam Driver? It's the greatest experience <laughs> you'll ever have. <laughs> <laughs> just had sex and I'm about to eat nachos. <laughs> Great. Look up look up that line. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. It's it's a real <laughs> line, I promise. Um, Tyler. I uh I think I, I'm I'm a tired uh exhausted parent. I think I've only consumed in the last 2 weeks. I've I've watched Jurassic World Dominion, Blade Runner, maybe like an episode of Great British Breaking Show, and then like two episodes of Rings of Power. Um, which hold that, put, put put a pin in that. Maybe I'll revisit that in, in a week or two. Um, uh, but I think for this, I'm going to recommend Fallout Four. Uh, I think it gets a bad rap. I think uh, if you, if you're looking for something that that gives you like the 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 Blade Runner vibes and specifically in like the replicant side of things and like getting into all the things i there's probably people listening who'd be like that was the, that game has the worst story of all time how dare you uh but i think it's i think it works i think it's just it's kind of a departure from the rest of the the series uh but i feel like in terms of giving me like when, when i hear like the word blade runner uh and i'm like that sounds super cool i want more of that 
uh, in terms of giving you like the ability to be like, oh, you're a you're a cool bounty hunter who's like living in a world of androids. Like, I think it works pretty well. The game's DLC has a big Disney World ripoff. It's great. Uh, also, there's like a, a, a pirate ship full of robots who think they're pirates. It's pretty good. It flies. Uh, you should you should play it. Is that the one where there's like a robot detective named mm-hmm. Nick or something? Okay. Yep. Android Stream of Electric Pirates. So recommends Tyler. Correct. Neat. Three similar recommendations. <laughs> I'm surprised Telltale. Well, I'm not surprised. But I bet they could have made a cool uh, Blade Runner game. That is a good idea. I want to say there was some computer like point and click game. Sure. That actually got like an hd remaster hmm. recently and it's supposedly like amazing huh i'll check so well that's day of the tentacle that you're thinking of <laughs> monkey island what <laughs> star wars battlefront 2 <laughs> <laughs> i love monkey you island. you just point and click and it shoots the gun yeah it's good stick yeah good stuff uh <laughs> Next week, we'll be back with a longer movie that I like more. I think I will I th- feel that way, too. I was going to say, I think I like it more. Uh, if you want to hear about that and whether or not I or Britain like it, uh, you can find us at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We're on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, and all sorts of things. Um I don't. I don't think I did. I don't think I addressed doing the meme description last week. Uh, I'm. I'm throwing down the gauntlet at Joseph. Uh, I've. I've decided. I. I need more. More high quality memes for re- revisiting the meme description. Uh, and I would also like someone else to throw down the gauntlet. Get. Get, get your good memes in, and yeah, I will on, describe guys. them on the podcast. Uh, that is. That is my promise to you. Send us your memes uh like like and subscribe f- five five stars but also send us your memes yeah um that's all i got i've been tyler <laughs> <laughs> i've been alex uh i've been Britain, and you've been having a good night